The trap was set. They waited till after midnight, and then 75 strong, they came up over the mountain. Sirens wailing, guns drawn. I heard about you. I'd really like to get back to this fine Bordeaux. This is Existentialism 
um, 18 hours. My gut is that uh, it would be maybe like kind of like what we what we grew up with like miniseries like the thorn birds you know i think it was like three two hour <laughs> events shogun know, shogun all these uh roots, roots winds um, of war <laughs> all the classics all that. the great ones so that would be a, a gut but uh, uh feelings that we maybe get something comparable to that and then that would entail lynch and frost having to spend a year or two conceiving something as grandiose as what we got in in season three um, but so I just don't think that there's enough ideas for them unless they did have something. And this will kind of lead into what I want to kind of talk to you about. And we'll go into some other subjects. Yeah, you never answered the question of what we're talking about today. What was the question? What are we talking about today? <laughs> <laughs> well, what I wanted to do is talk about. So there are no. OK, let's just preface this here. Evasion, yeah. sir. No, I'm just kidding. But there's no I mean, the theories of the show, like they're like little tidbits here and there, but there's nothing. I think we've covered a lot of things and I haven't had any big have. revelations. And we did a podcast recently where we talked about Cooper going back in time. If uh, if if the, the Cooper that showed up in part 17 was the actual Cooper in 1989 and we talked about it, but I didn't really believe it. And then kind of just kind of convinced myself, I think after some prodding from you, it's like, hey, dude, let's not do a show that's something, you know, you don't really believe in. I was like, well, I thought it was interesting. So I don't really have any new like theories, but I still want to talk about Twin Peaks and I'm still thinking about it and tweeting about it. And Murph and I are still discussing it on the phone. But I thought it would be interesting before we go into a couple of topics that uh, I want to kind of. It's going to be our show about. about nothing. That's fine. It's, just, it's our Twin yeah. Peaks Seinfeld show. Yeah. Um, okay. So. What okay? If if I had to pigeonhole you, if I had to ask you, if there was going to be something else, season four, if there was going to be a movie, a series, or whatever, where would you like it to go? What would you like to see? What maybe um, uh, like thoughts that you had of where it might be going? Uh, well, we have mentioned this before, but I think it's uh, I don't want to go do- full Doctor Who. I want to go time traveler. I want him to go it'd be Cooper going through the cosmos like part three and have Bob. But what would be Judy, the core? Judy. What would be the core? You got to have some kind of like narrative thread. Like that's all interesting, but you can't have that as a through line. Well, Cooper's still trying to get home, right? I mean, you're still trying to do that. That's continuing. He never got home, so he's trying to return. That's still happening. That's one thing. And then also, Laura's trapped in this like Carrie Page dimension in reality. So if she really is there, then maybe uh, her journey to coming back to waking up as well. Maybe those are the two threads. Yeah, well, that is you, all about sparkle. Like maybe sparkles take over the world. Maybe Trump. You know, who knows? They have to wear the owl ring. I have no idea. <laughs> well, we talked about this uh, about the 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 episode eighteen, part eighteen, the final of of Cooper and Laura. They, the return to Twin Peaks, the actual return. Whether this was something that Lynch and Frost um, uh, created for future iterations or was this just created to end season three and maybe if they got an idea down the road they would pick up from there but my thinking is that what we got in part 18 with them returning to twin peaks and her being alive the question of like who killed laura palmer that laura or that uh david lynch never wanted to answer in you know, season one season two and probably if it was still going on 25 seasons later that he still wouldn't answer it has now shifted and probably the reason why the show itself wasn't as successful with a mass audience because you had this very engaging mystery of who killed Laura Palmer originally. And basically what we're getting here in season three was not who killed Laura Palmer or something comparable. We're getting who is Laura Palmer, which is more... Uh, who unkilled Laura Palmer. Or who unkilled Laura Palmer, exactly. And I think that's where it would go in... <laughs> 
a season four because it just think about Cooper with all the multiple Coopers that we have. It's like it's really about like identity. And we talked about it being very similar to Lost Highway in a lot of ways, which was about parallel identity crises. Is that that's not as interesting, I think, to on the surface because it's it's not like visceral. It's like it's like it, this is talking about like metaphysics and uh, the cycle of life and death and possibly reincarnation and and identity. And I think that Laura screaming and waking up, you know, what we think she woke up in part eighteen, and where that would lead in part. Or, or, or in a season four or a movie, what have you, where that would lead. And I think what they're trying to do or what Lynch and Frost are trying to do if they do pick up the mantle is deal more with the identities of our two major characters of Laura and Cooper. And that's where it would go. That would be the through line. I'd be a little tired of that, though. I'd love to have it because it's all about Laura and Cooper. I'd like it for season four to be more about like the Judy eggs laying and spreading and the whole like that kind of narrative. Like Judy's still spreading around the world and someone has to stop her. The woods would have taken over portals. There's, there's, there's other Freddies. Take it out of Twin Peaks. Let's go. And also deal with the retcon too. The retcon's a big deal. Like if it ha- did it happen, obviously it kind of happened, right? So we have to deal with that shit. But I don't want a whole season of them like an entire retcon in Twin Peaks, where like you know, like we talked about a million times, where they're all different characters. Or they're they're different and changed because we've already seen it. And I don't think it's that particularly interesting. I liked the amount of Twin Peaks kind of that we got in the season three. I don't well, want what more if that whole. Season. Thing that they return to, we don't know. We we posit that it was Laura's dream that Cooper penetrated, and that's why it's different. That's why there's an Alice Tremont in that house, and that's why the Double R Diner didn't have that Double R to go because Laura wouldn't be privy to that. But what if it is uh, a part of the retcon of this? Unofficial yeah, it could be the version. retcon reality. Yeah, and the the denizens of the town or the citizens of the town. Are, aren't just um, their identities or their personalities or their lives are, are different maybe because of, of that retconning. What if there's a whole new populace? What if the people that we know in Twin Peaks, what they if just vanished, they all moved? was a swan song? What, what if it's a whole new timeline? It's like, what if that, that was part of the plan? Is that the, the, the interesting thing to me about this is that uh, Twin Peaks, and we talked about this, I think it's like a cash cow for all parties involved because not only because of the content of the show but of all the ancillary you know the 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 merchandise the soundtracks uh, all the t-shirts and it's a big international audience so it'd be foolish for Lynch and Frost or Showtime CBS Entertainment whoever owns it to go ahead and just end it I just think uh, dude that- we just saw with Filmstruck that basically lots of giant <laughs> conglomerates can say like Turner can just say well we're, we just don't care about commodifying like all the history of film so if they, they can throw film away, the entire legacy of it, because and, and pretty much say we're not going to have a platform because it doesn't make enough money for us, like the, the, easily they can throw away uh, Twin Peaks. It's nothing well, compared to Well, but these suits think cinema. that Filmstruck, which we love, by the way, which we, we – We're very have, sad, yeah. We're, we're very sad. sad. It just happened the other day. We're, we're very upset. sad. We spend a lot of time watching Filmstruck. But the article that I read was the powers that be just deemed it – just unnecessary. It wasn't a big cash cow, and they were. They got acquired just, by. This got acquired by AT and T. So it's all about uh, the money. There's no. There's no. Yeah, it's all about the money. No but, one cares about saving film history except for like Martin Scorsese and Christopher Nolan and PTA. PTA. But no one yeah. in like the institutions that could do it. And so now we're going to have like 50 years of 60. I mean, all the history of film is just unavailable now on on platforms, and unless you're going to go rent the DVDs. Which is just so archaic now. It's just really sad. It's sad. Well, I'm hopeful that uh, yeah. TCM still exists somewhere, but uh, we'll 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 find something. I think I'm still have hope, but I I'm just pissed off. I mean, we're losing Filmstruck on November 29th, and I'm I'm pissed off. But back to Twin Peaks. 
that I don't think that it's comparable to the Filmstruck and movies that uh, you know came out in 1930 or 1940. That Tom, no look at NYPD about. Blue. They just threw that away. They haven't rebooted yet. <laughs> well, <laughs> Caruso's still out there. His ass is still out there. Did his Franz still out there? They haven't brought it back. Well, but is NYPD <laughs> compelling entertainment? No. Um, yeah. There's there's going to be future iterations of Twin Peaks, regardless. I mean, Lynch and Frost aren't going to be around it forever. And we've seen this any number of times with any number of like uh, franchises or filmmakers. If it still has an audience, if there's still a buck to be made, it's going to be made. So I think that Lynch and Frost, they retain ownership that they would still like to continue on with the story if they have ideas to tell. And I think that that's what they were going with season three. But the whole thing with Lynch being in the driver's seat is that I think that he's still hurt about the original series and trying to solve the Who Killed Laura Palmer. And I think a big part of season three was dealing with that. And they finally did with having Cooper save her. And we only got another hour. And it was certainly set up that Laura is alive and returning to Twin Peaks. That if we did get a future iteration, that it would be something like strange and wonderful and completely new. And I think what I asked you originally was, is that what if the the made characters that we saw from the original series that we got in season three, the Shelley's, the Bobby's, the Jacoby and Nadine and Norma and everyone like that. Is that what if season three was was pretty much their swan song? Maybe except for a couple of characters. I'd be happy that, with that. But that so that we have a new like uh, 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 new citizens in Twin Peaks, like a whole new world. That would be refreshing. That would be something that I think Lynch and Frost could get be behind because of what we saw in season three was so different from what came before. Because I don't think that there would just be a straight continuation. Well, the logic behind that would be like, okay, so if like the, all, the entire citizens is switched out in this new reality timeline, like what drew what what made the entire like original citizens like leave? Why do they mass evacuate? Well, maybe that's the uh, the big fish yeah, that Lynch is mystery. trying to catch. Gotta I mean, go I don't, find out. You gotta find out. Yeah. What happened? Maybe it's something that. What about you Leland? Don't... He's still there. Well, I think that you would have some characters. I think Sarah's like still you there. know Leland, Sarah, maybe someone at the sheriff station, but I, I think that it would. Was Tremont? Tremont will be there in any reality. Yeah. Well, everything that you were saying about the Judy and the Judy bugs and trying the woodsman and having that be a big plot element, I I think that we would get that. I mean, I think that that Judy is still so mysterious and isn't necessarily a person, even though that we think that she's probably inhabiting Sarah, but she is. She was called an extreme negative force, and that could that could cascade to anywhere on, on this planet. Even though I think what I would would. I wouldn't say what I would want, but I think would be very interesting. And I think it would work also for um, like to maybe enhance viewership is if season three was Lynch, the full, the pure heroine version, as David Nevin said, was for Twin Peaks to get back on its, you know, its footing, so to speak, to get Lynch back in the driver's seat. We come back into season four and what season four does is say it was hypothetical, like it was in 18 episodes, and maybe they spend the first nine hours almost completely in the town of Twin Peaks like we got in the original series and split the series up in the second half, and then you can go kind of metaphysical and interdimensional time you know, hopping and traveling or whatever. But the interesting thing would be at the end that instead of like uh, Cooper saving Laura in part 17, which set this whole thing up, that whatever Cooper's journey would be in this future iteration, that he realized is that everything is so fucked up and is spiraled out of control that she must die. And that would be an interesting like sense of closure of the loop-de-loop. If he has to, I'm not saying kill her, but realizes that she has to die somehow. Well, she's already dead. 
No, she's not. Not anymore. No. <laughs> we talked I mean, about this. So I, yeah, so I, it goes back to that article about Cooper being the killer, realizing this is all some fantasy, and that he was the one that killed Laura. Maybe it wasn't even Laura. It was some other person. Laura's a, you know, a symbol of whom he, who he's, he's running from. And the psychologist, this is a similar type thing, but you're saying that he just realizes the whole thing's fucked up and he's going to have to, like, just finish it, like, to blow him up. To, well, like, isn't that kind of where we're going? Is that cause here the big it bang. is at the end? Yeah. He, he has a an identity crisis here in part 18, and it might be tied into um, the fact that he is dealing with his darker self for the first time in 25 years. And it, it makes me think of the whole line in episode two or part two, the evolution of the arm says he must come back in before you can go out, meaning Mr. C has to come back to the Black Lodge. But it also works on a deeper level of like Mr. C must come back inside you. Your darker self must come back inside of you before you can go out into the real world. And that's what we saw in part 18. We saw a very different Cooper like, you know, with a different moniker, this Richard dealing with uh, uh, the world in a very different way than we um, saw exposed or saw unfold in previous iterations, which is also an interesting aspect for future iterations because it's it's a different version of Cooper here we have. But Laura is alive. I mean, Wouldn't she, it just be it, Mr. C, but just like in a Cooper outfit? Just Mr. C, full Mr. Some, C. Some people think that. Some people think he's more Mr. C than Cooper. But it also But he goes that, full Mr. C is your theory at the end. If he goes to uh, kill Cooper, he would have to be like Mr. C. Or like he'd like be having no. his darkest nature take over. And saying, fuck all this white knight shit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> and well, banging my head, chasing like not yeah, you know, dragons and whatnot, and you realize that that's all been bullshit, man. He's gotta go the dark way, the Machiavellian, the Bob way. Well, maybe that's where it's yeah. leading to, and maybe yeah. um the, the Cooper, if in this new timeline didn't visit Twin Peaks and wasn't the those eccentricities that came out of the town that we saw in the pilot that Cooper that first visited the town was uh, not as boyish, was not as enthusiastic. And I think it was the town that kind of brought this out of Cooper. But if he never really came there to solve Laura's murder, then maybe he that would have been pulled out of him. And that's what we're seeing in part 18, because that is a different timeline. And if it goes further with more adventures and investigations and Cooper's realizing that his plan to save Laura is it was although noble really fucked things up and it seems to have fucked things up already but it's going to even fuck him up more that he has to realize that the only way to solve this is i'm going to say to kill her but that she has to die or there's another Isn't way that, to look at to have it. a way enough violence against women in this show tom do we have to really have to finish with that I'm not <laughs> gonna get to kill Laura again. I'm not <laughs> Poor saying... Cheryl Lee has been tortured. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Idea, big idea. Hey, Cheryl, we're gonna kill you again at the end. <laughs> She's like, Jesus, how many fucking times do you have to kill me? Well, also, if he kills her at the end, then what does he do then? Does he kill himself? Does the world explode? Does a lodge like what happens? I still think we got a loop de loop thing going on here, but I'm not saying that he has to like actually kill her. It's, it doesn't have to be that. That would be, I think, that would be hardcore. Can you imagine, like, a season four and the final shot is, like, Cooper killing Laura Palmer? I mean, we thought that yeah, they're both naked three, in the desert in front of a, yeah, in the night, in the, yeah, music going. In a Parsonian, yeah. ritualistic yeah, yeah. kind of uh, yeah, L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I'm just trying to, uh, like, there were, their seeds have been planted for these characters. And the, the way that we're seeing Laura and Cooper so much different than who we thought they were is so compelling and rich. And it's a testament to the Lynch and Frost's creativity that in the short period of time that, you know, that we spent with these characters in part 18, 
it, it just has opened up this whole world of possibilities for these characters. And, and I, I want to see that unfold. But I want to see it unfold organically and, and tied to the mythology. But I want things to be opened up. But I also want to spend more time in Twin Peaks. Because I think that there's the, all the mythology, you know, the White Lodge, the Black Lodge, that mythology is steeped in Twin Peaks. I mean, the, the locations are in Twin Peaks. And even though we got some scenes with that and we got an origin story, per se, with, uh, with the Black Lodge convenience store in, in Episode 8. But uh, there's a reason why they are in Twin Peaks and it's affecting the town, has been affecting the town. I want to go deeper into that. Don't you think that he would definitely bring – since Laura Dern is just popping off and everyone loves her right now, her career is going crazy – She's having a renaissance, a Laura Dernaissance, uh, that he would definitely write. And she wants to do season four. If there were to be a season four, he'd probably give her a pretty hearty role. you got to bring her back, right? You can't not bring her back. Of course. I think right. she would be She's still lost so, in the, yeah, she's lost in the in the lodge dreamscape. Loopy Loop herself. She just left. Where is she? Where'd she go? I'd follow her. Uh, that's a very good question. And why did she see herself? Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, you probably know more about this than I do. Um, I know Lynch is big into reincarnation. Like he believes that you know, uh, in in the, the Eastern religions, and he practices transcendental meditation. And I'm not steeped enough in the philosophy or anything to to dive deep into it. Other than, you know, the few things that I know about it is that what I think we saw in season three. I think he was infusing the storyline, at least especially with the Cooper and the Laura characters, in this idea of uh, life and death and rebirth, and what we're seeing here. And I wish I was smart enough to really kind of dive into it. But um, do you have any thoughts on the idea of the reincarnation, especially, you know, related to Cooper and Laura? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> nothing? No, nothing. I have nothing to bring to this. No, I've not studied and not done any research and Googled anything. So, no. Well, no, but just so you know, you're more like in touch with your spiritual side than, than I am. I don't think that it's necessarily a, a reincarnation, in my opinion. It's more like he's trapped in like a purgatory. He's trapped. He's not reincarnated at all. He's, I mean, this might be different like realities that he's experiencing, but I don't think that they're permanent. Obviously, I think that he could bop from like one to the next to the next. He's been doing it the whole time, probably since for the last 25 years. So... I don't think he's these, reincarnated. I don't think there's any rebirth. I think it's all like this, that they're stuck in a purgatory, a loop of, from hell. They're stuck in hell. Really? Well, Cooper hasn't died. Well, at least we don't think that he has died. I've read some things where people say that they believe that Cooper, when he got shot in the original series, that the rest of the series and maybe even season three was a dream. So it, that's out there. But I'm talking more in relation to, even though uh, Cooper, we're seeing all these different kind of iterations of him, whether it's Dougie or Richard, there could be something with this cycle of life that would, you know, it's not specifically reincarnation, but it's it's like Cooper, like evolving. It's going through these stages, these bardos. But Laura, specifically, she died and she's alive, and but that she's dead too. I mean, she says it herself. That in itself, I'm not saying she was reincarnated, but but we didn't see her alive until he retconned her on well, Earth, I mean, not supposedly. Not, yeah. Well, that but no, I don't think it is, but yeah. But her character, her arc of being like originally the dead girl and then going back with Firewalk with me and seeing her like alive and then being killed and, and going and finding her angel and then being this presence in the Black Lodge and then being sucked out and then being like, you know, she's sent back to Earth or she was perceived to be alive. There's that's not how is that possible? Well, I mean, he went back in time. I understand that. But 
I'm trying to get to like an underlying thing here of what maybe Lynch was thinking about. And it's something that you wanted to know. It's like, where is Lynch coming from with season three? And that's like helping you try to solve the puzzle. Maybe there is something with his own belief in spirituality that he is infusing in this storyline, especially related to Laura, Car- uh, Laura Palmer, instead of her just being fetishized as, you know, the Marilyn Monroe, the pretty dead girl that just shows up every now and again to say something cryptic. Yeah, I mean, she could not even be real. She could be like an iconography. Of, and it was like like that one guy theorized that she's a metaphor, a symbol of like some past thing in Cooper's life. We don't know what's real and what's not. It's just all like they're stuck in this like maze of hell. And uh, they're going through all of their – it's almost like they're trying to – I don't know if they were to like actually come to grips with all their flaws or whatever it is that they're blocked and they're not, you know, like the big completion, the moment of completion. If they actually get to the moment of completion, I don't know if that's going to do anything. So what would that actually do? You know, they are they going to be able to get out? I don't. I, I'm skeptical. <laughs> I don't think so. I think even if they think they got out, they're not out. Are you talking personally. about Laura and and, and Cooper and out of the lodge? Or Diane yeah, and Cooper. Okay. Any of them. Once you're in the lodge, you're you're in it, and you're never getting out. <clears throat> well, I believe that as well. But there seems to be the. I, I don't know if it's the two timelines, but we believe that no matter what, there's going to be. Cooper and Laura, they're going to have a presence within the Black Lodge. But I also believe that they could be in the real world. There's something very unique. And this is something that's very interesting that I want to kind of bring up is that um, the Laura Palmer that we saw in Part 8 was, I won't say created, but it certainly seemed that way from the firemen's is golden emanation and the ore being sent to Earth, maybe to act as <clears throat> a deterrent to Judy and Bob. So she is this special ethereal uh, soul and it certainly you know, makes sense with you know, her character arc be, what, what, even when she was alive and her presence in the Black Lodge, which could have been part of the plan all along from the firemen to make the Black Lodge benign or her presence to act as a deterrent to the evil within the Lodge. But what if there's something similar to Cooper? We, don't, we, we never saw like a golden orb Cooper, but he seems to be special in some kind of, in a, a very uh, uh, interesting way. And if you read that book, the autobiography of Dale Cooper, which I don't know if it's canon or not, it was written by Mark Frost's brother, but it, it, it uh, details his life from a young boy up into the events of Twin Peaks. And there are episodes from his past where he's having like visions. He sees someone who is described as Bob and there is something with a ring as a young boy. So is it possible that Cooper is similar to Laura Palmer, that maybe she, he was manufactured somehow by the firemen as well? No. <laughs> That's, no. Nothing. I think that she, she, I can buy her being like this golden angel rising from the depths of hell or coming to combat whatever, you know, having her thing. But I don't think that he would. I don't think that he is ordained by anyone. Look at how he gets treated whenever he gets like hanging out with the one-armed man or the, the giant. They kind of treat him like shit. They don't treat him like he's the chosen one. <laughs> They don't give him any knowledge. They really kind of fuck with him. They're like tricksters. So I think that, that that's his fallacy is that he thinks, and his fatal flaw, that he thinks he is the White Knight who is ordained to go on the, the hunt or whatever, this quest, but it's all bullshit. I think it's all just his own fiction that he's not special. He's, he's special in his, in his flaws, in his fatal flaws. But he has these... He has these these abilities, whether it's the you know his deductive technique, his intuition. But he did have those abilities. But does he have them now? As I'm saying, I think he did. I don't know if he does. I still now. think he does. He was able to detect Laura 
at the Judy's Diner. He was in Odessa driving down the road, not knowing probably lucky, where the hell. There's only two restaurants out there. Said <laughs> <laughs> <that> Judy's. <laughs> but he seemed to know to go in there. Is there another waitress? He handled himself very well. He found her, brought her back to Twin Peaks. But he also he doesn't have a very has, tight. Uh, the invisible doorknob. His technique is not. It's not tight and fluid. I think he's got to work on that myself. I think he's he was an working on. I think, I think he'd have that down. Don't you think he was working on that? Uh, working on that at the end of part eighteen, when he was like, he should be doing like, like, are you talking to me? Like with a gun, with the, the hand, the hand in front of the mirror, like <laughs> the invisible doorknob for the last twenty five years practicing. He probably didn't. Well, well he's did. also traveling through like dimensions oh, and true. space he's and like, through oh, like yeah, right. electrical he's, sockets. I mean, it's no time he, to practice. Yeah. yeah, no, it's that, and he is, you know, the the fireman. Although he was seemed very stern with him and maybe pissed off at him, he's still giving him clues. He's still his boy, so to speak. And the one-armed man could – you didn't have to have anything to do with him. He could probably, like, obliterate his soul if he wanted to. But there's something unique about Cooper. I mean, he was the one who was – given the knowledge or you know, the clues to go back in time, or maybe he just did hubristically did that himself, but he was able to transcend time and space to go back and save Laura Palmer. So there's something more to him than being just this great detective. There's something special within him. I think it's just white male privilege. Like he just like, inserted himself <laughs> into this thing. <laughs> he's like, I should be in charge of this and conquering it. He's like, he's like Vasco da Gama or something like Columbus. I'm going to go conquer the natives. And he fucked it up. Yeah, but in the original <laughs> series, there were moments where he got a little, like, kind of cocksure and then realized, yeah. oh, you know, uh oh. But he see, I never saw this, uh oh, those, those moments of growth. See, I never saw him. I saw him still, like, he's like, uh, maybe he's a Taurus, like, bullheaded, like, charging through. I never saw him actually going, like, hey, wait a minute, let's change this shit because he ended up in the fucking lodge so quick. Well, no, he was, but in season three, there, were, there weren't those moments where he was contemplative and he wasn't riffing with anyone. It just seemed like he had this single-mindedness. Or you all mean the wheels were, Well, I mean, there, was, there wasn't much going on with <laughs> I think Dougie, Dougie was just like a delusion, right? He was like his own, his own fantasy world, really. Well, really Dougie, I think, was... And, uh, Dougie, I think, was uh, the, what Annie said in Firewalk With Me the good Cooper, the good Dale is in the lodge. I mean, I really believe that the split that happened in uh, the original series at the very end, um, although it wasn't written like this, and maybe it didn't appear like this at the end, but over time with Lynch at the controls, with Frost helping, evolved where there were two definitive Coopers. There was a split. There was the darker doppelganger with Bob in, and then there was the good one, the good Cooper that didn't have any of those negative dark qualities. And that's what we saw in Vegas. That's why his presence there acted as, uh, uh, as it was like, a, you know, he was a beacon of light to all. He, he made everyone that he came into contact, their lives better. He didn't have a, a, a any darkness to him he was like you said the buddha and only well, in that world it's in that world like, but which, it's like kind of like diane going into the fantasy you know what i'm saying and having her dream world this is his dream world this is what he wanted to be somehow well maybe that's another way to look at it. i i agree i think you're right with that uh, you know but it's it's an interesting component of it uh with the, talking about his identity all these different sides of of cooper it's like which one is the real dale cooper it's like you know this is your life you know, you can have all these people phoning in and telling these stories or whatever, and you can have him sitting on a stage being asked questions like <laughs> it's a good episode, Alan season Funch four or something like that. Yeah. Well, I, but which one is the real Cooper? Is it the guy we see walking through the lodge? Is it the guy that came up part eighteen? Is it part you know? Is Tom, it you are Cooper? what you do, as they say. You are what you do. What's he been doing for the last twenty five years? 
That's what who he says is. that? Is that uh, Descartes? Is, I don't think a lot of people say that. Maybe it is Descartes. Descartes. Yeah, I think it's Einstein. Where? You are what you do, not what you say, right? So he's been doing the last 25 years being not the Agent Cooper that we, the hero that we knew. We see a lost, confused, dementia-riddled man with delusions of grandeur um, and a split personality. He's not the same guy. He's lost 800 steps, Tom. <laughs> And that was fully intent. Uh, yeah, example on one, Dougie. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so something I want to bring up that I discovered rewatching the final episode of the original series was the scene at the bank where Audrey changed herself to the vault, and then Andrew and Pete blow up. But there's something that I never noticed. I remember the scene, but I never put it together until seeing season three and some time passing is that when Audrey is chained to the vault and she's watching Pete and Del Mibler and, and Andrew walk over to the, the safety deposit box, uh, there's a cutaway. There's a phone ringing and you see this guard. It's this long shot. This guard picks up the phone and he's getting news apparently that his wife presumably had a child and he screams, it's a boy, it's a boy. And you see Audrey turn. And, and to that direction. And then moments later, the, the the explosion happened. So that's probably the last thing that she heard before the big explosion. So I know that when Frost and Lynch were getting ready to go back into the world of Twin Peaks, I think they had the, the idea, I think maybe Frost had an idea of maybe where to go. I think he realized the, the line, I'll see you again in 25 years, and felt it was the right time to maybe get going, that he went to Lynch's compound the old bunker and uh they queued up this was like probably 2011 2012 maybe so they went there and this was i think dean hurley told this story there was an interview with dean hurley who's like lynch's right hand man does a lot of sound stuff for lynch um i think he told the story that um lynch frost showed up and then lynch had him queue up the final episode of the original series and he at that moment said like oh i think it's it's back on but of course he couldn't say anything but So that was their, 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 uh, the, the moment that they, the, the thing that they chose to watch to kind of get back into that mindset for inspiration. For inspiration. So maybe watching that you know hour unfold, and they were probably more focused on the lodge scenes, but probably taking notes with other characters that they wanted to bring back. The Audrey scene of her blowing up, like, well, we want to bring her back. She's not going to be dead. Where do we want to take her character? Maybe those two lines of it's a boy it's a boy were the impetus for them <laughs> to create the character of little dicky horn for her to have her have a child okay i could see that a little bit i mean yeah. i don't see the relevance of that i mean it wasn't her <laughs> child in the, it wasn't like she was pregnant and they were finding out that she was having a boy while she was chained to the station they weren't no one was announcing that like just as jack had not impregnated her right maybe that's town. but no it's possible spreading through the grapevine that that's maybe where they were going to go if there were there was a season three back in the day that maybe she was going to get pregnant maybe that's why they had that line in there unless it was a complete non sequitur but it still is interesting with the character of audrey which is still so mysterious here in season three that we don't know where she is we know that she isn't in the real world in the sense of the real world that the last thing she hears is it's a boy. She has this child who's this you know demon seed from being raped by Mr. C while she was unconscious from that explosion. But here she is with the Charlie character trying to get out, leave, find this Billy character, what have you. We don't know what's going on with her. So um, 
it, it's just interesting with the, her evolution of her character because I think that with Lynch in control in the beginning part of season two and that they wanted Audrey and Cooper to be together. That was going to be the progression for this character and that when it was going to come time for Earl to take his queen, it was going to be Audrey and she was going to be the one in the Black Lodge. There's a great shot in the second episode of the second season that Lynch directed, I believe, when she's on the phone to Cooper and he's worried about her and she's telling him, I'm okay, I'm going to come home now. And then Blackie's like, trouble, Miss Horn. But she's framed behind the, you see the red curtains in the background. It's like a great little like visual cue, like a foreshadowing of where a character's going to be. But this is a, a character, this woman, this great character icon, Audrey Horn, was almost raped, or not raped, almost like, you know, uh, her father almost had sex with her or tried to have sex with her, which kind of mirrors Laura and Leland. She was uh, kidnapped, uh, she was dosed with heroin. Um, she lost her virginity to a guy who got on a plane immediately. And candy left. is dandy. <laughs> Candy's dandy. <laughs> the candy is dandy. Is dandy, no? Is that your Jean Renault? It's very yeah, good. It's good. So, and then, and then her character blows up, presumably, at the end of the season two. It's like, we know, we feel the pain of Laura Palmer and all the hell that she went through with her life. But Audrey is, it's, it's pretty close. I mean, she went through some serious palatious episodes just in the original series and here she is I think again acting as a mirror to Laura Palmer and the connector is the line is the story of the little girl who lived down the lane or it's just lack of imagination in the writer's room (laughs) (laughs) come on I think what what they came up with Audrey like originally I think she was going to just have that one scene maybe being the Sylvia character being beat up basically by Richard and that was going to be her arc that was going to be her big scene and she freaked out had Lynch write a different like uh, storyline for her I think that what he came up with whether Frost was a part of that or not it was comp- compelling more compelling it's way better than what the original idea was that Frost came up with her being a hairdresser and like little yeah, Dickie Horn being like a little yeah shampoo yeah. boy so I that was that's a great moment but you can also look at that you can really I think I read this on Reddit somewhere or it was a Facebook I can't remember someone really deconstructed that scene with everything that we know that happened behind the scenes and if you put Lynch in as the Charlie character and imagine Audrey as <laughs> Cheryl and Fenn that what we're, we're seeing play out is the drama behind the that is the a lack scenes. of imagination he's just like I'll write it like our relationship exactly the same <laughs> but, but hey. I'm with you I feel like I'm in hell <laughs> she's like I feel the same way David Write it. He's so uh, sleepy because he doesn't. He's got too much work to do trying to pull off this eighteen-hour opus. You think Lynch gets sleepy? How much does he sleep at night? Take naps? He probably doesn't sleep at night. You know, no. I, well, I think he does. He oh, probably like sleeps. Cigarettes. Yeah. Well, that's true. If you had to ascribe a reality for Audrey's character, what would that reality be in season three? What we got? It's like Dante's Inferno. There's different concentric circles of hell. She's in one of them. She has an Audrey circle. Diane has one. Coop has one. They've all got one. Laura has one. They're all in their own. The, the realities, we're talking about like their little bubble worlds or, you know, like the lynchscape. Everyone's got their own worlds. Those are their own little concentric circles of hell. Well, how did she get in her particular hell? We After know why Mr. Diane C got, got a hold of her. Mr. C got a hold of her and impregnated her like Rosemary's baby with a demon, demon seed, and that probably sent her over the edge. Well, so when he has sex with like Chantal, is she going to be sent to a concentric circle as well? Well, she died too quickly, but perhaps. 
We know why <laughs> Diane is in her own particular. Diane role. is. Yeah, she's in because she was Tolpit, right? That's what I'm saying. I don't think well, Chantal was Well, the real Diane too. What about her? Where's she? You know, she's in hell. The real Diane. Well, you have sex with Mr. Per- C or Cooper, you go to hell. Fast. <laughs> Even was Amy. Diane in the, like, as NATO in the purple room? That's not hell, though. Well, it's an outer circle. So I'm saying there's a lot of concentric circles, my friend. They're infinite. Well, I know they're one infinite, of them. But, but so that's okay. So she is it's not in, the real world. It's not space. Well, I know it's not the real world. It's got to be more than the the rape by Mr. C because little Dicky Horn tells his father um, that his mother had like the Cooper photo, um, like, you know, in her room or in her salon or whatever the hell it was. So she wasn't in a coma um, for 25 years. And that's what we're seeing. She came out of it, had the child, um, probably was okay for a while, but maybe the things that I alluded to earlier, uh, almost having sex with her father and the heroin, the candy is dandy and the bank explosion and, and the rape by Mr. C caused her to like spiral out of control, like, you know, emotionally. And she was mentally disturbed and had a breakdown. And maybe that's what we're seeing. That seems kind of too pat and too easy. I like to think of it as more of, there is some kind of Lodgian shenanigans going on, or maybe there is something with the fact that she is, you know, in close proximity to uh, the portal that is in the great Northern furnace room. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, what if she's really upset? She's and she's like she's going to like her. She like she knows all the labyrinthian back uh, hidden alleyways and tunnels and stuff in the Great Northern. And she ended up yeah. walking to the wrong one. Right, she walked to the wrong, and that, yeah. that's it exactly. And she got trapped in her own particular hell. Right. And, so like uh, it, it's like a alien speed. It take, takes all of your shit, all your baggage and your skeletons and all the crap you're walking into with it, and it creates a world, a hell world for you to deal with, to deal with yourself. So maybe like so Cooper went she's through that version. door. He saw the familiar Philip Gerard, who took him to see Jeffries. What if, since she's in her own, Audrey's in her own concentric cow, as you say, that when she went through that door, if that's what happened, she met someone different that led her, maybe it was Charlie, or maybe it It'd was someone It'd be Doppel Emery Battis. <laughs> <laughs> Did he give her a little unicorn? Yeah, and A little glass unicorn? Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, that, that's a little aside here. Do you remember when, was it Battis? When she was looking through Battis's like secret black book and he had the names of all the perfume counter girls and he had stars next to their names. Mm -hmm. Presumably uh, I I guess that it was like, you know, their sexy quotient or something. No, dude, it's their ability to be uh, customer service uh, employees, Tom. That's all it is. Well, Renette had five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yes, of course. She got got the call up. The big leaves. I just thought that was a little interesting. And you know what? Also, Audrey in... Maybe that same episode. Remember, she was trying to get into that room, and there was like a stock boy, and she wanted to get rid of him, and she you know, got a little coquettish or whatever. And said, oh, there's, oh, there's a, a fire really... or something. No, is it when there a really bad accident outside? Yeah, the is car. Or something? Yeah, some kind of distraction. Yeah, crash. Yeah, that could lead into her son at that car accident in Park. Did you drive an orange moped? Boy, it's a mess out there. <laughs> outside, go check it out. It's on fire. So okay, so that Audrey may be with the uh, portal in the uh, the Great Northern. Maybe that is why she is you know in the location that she's in, or trapped in her own hell. Because Ben doesn't even mention her name when he's talking. What if she her? walked into the lodge portal in the in the in the uh, Great Northern when she was pregnant with Dickie Horn after she had been raped by Mister C? Oh, oh, she walked in with child. Oh, like already like like you know in utero like yeah. Okay. Little Dicky Horn Devil, Devil Seed inside of her, and she walks into right. the lodges. So that would probably enter her into the, one of the darker realms of the Ooh. back area. And maybe. The concentric Circle of Hell. Yeah, so that, that, that drove her mad. 
Yeah, and maybe the the influence of having that demon child has still affects her. Maybe there's some kind of reverberation to that. Like his actions, his you know devilishness is affecting her somehow and through yeah. like you know because of mr c like pulling the strings i mean just that effect of that that demon child it's an unnatural child that child should not be on this earth because that mr c is not a natural person i mean he is he's a doppelganger goodbye my son with the audrey character ending on such a mysterious note with the little girl, is it the story of the little girl who lived down the lane and the backwards band, the band at the roadhouse playing in reverse at the end of part 16 and showing up in that weird white room. Um, what Lynch wanted, like grabbing the reins of the, the, the show again with Frost, is that if he originally wanted Cooper and Audrey to be together again or at least her to be in the lodge, maybe as, as, what, as we saw Annie, uh, as character... Maybe that's what we're kind of leading to in a season four is that that was the, the, the little uh, precursor to a Cooper-Audrey subplot with some Lodgian backdrop. Uh, it could happen. I mean, everyone loves Audrey, so I felt like she was kind of shoehorned into this season, season three, so they'll probably shoehorn her again into season four. But I would, th- I would doubt that she would have a strong narrative where she would be you know, a main character like Diane or Coop or Laura. But maybe. She doesn't have to be a main character. But it's also interesting. Can't someone just die once and for all on this show? You know what I'm saying? Can't we just kill off a character? Just let her be dead? To kill somebody off? Maybe not her, but someone. Can anyone just die? Yes. Who just died? Bill Hastings. The guy guy that was in the the rook outfit, like, you promised me beer. Like, that guy's dead. (laughs) Yeah, Rusty's dead. (laughs) He's dead. He's not in the lodge. He's really dead. Lynch doesn't believe in death. He believes in reincarnation. Do you think Rusty's in the lodge in that little pawn outfit? (laughs) You know who that is? That's Ted Raimi. That's Sam Raimi's brother. Oh, I can actually see a resemblance. That's weird. You don't watch a lot of horror movies. I've actually recommended several horror movies to you recently. Tell the couple, tell the fans. Uh, Night of the Creeps is fantastic. I recommend that for anyone out there in the world. We've been watching 80s horror movies, schlocky. Uh, Silver Bullet, also fantastic. Stephen King, Gary Busey, uh, and also Big Ed. Has a wonderful role in that. Movie. <laughs> yes, he and does. then uh, what was it? Oh, uh, Return to Whore High, also a fantastic '80s flick. It's kind of like the the precursor to Scream. I can't believe people didn't say, "Hey, you're ripping off Return to Whore High, man!" But it really is. It's good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Thanks for all the tips. You're welcome. Yes, it's a great time of the year, October. I've been watching a ton of horror movies, and I was actually trying to plan a horror themed show tonight. But I couldn't come up with anything interesting other than like just all like characters from Twin Peaks, like in different uh, different horror movies, like Silver Bullet. No, well, I was thinking like maybe like the the scary scenes, the thing, the, the scenes that like scare. But it's like you know, there's only like five or six of them. It's the same five six that people have been talking about you know for 25 years, and they mostly deal with Bob in the original series. But um, I did think that it would have would have been great if we had a time of year like if Halloween was somehow incorporated into the original series of Twin Peaks, like we saw. Twin Peaks in October, uh, you know, that would have been great. I would love to see like a costume party or Bob or some evil going around to Halloween, people dressing up. I would have loved to see that, but the show only took place during February and March. Maybe in season four, there'll be a, a Halloween episode and like people are dressed as Bob, like as they all know about Bob around town and Leland, or maybe I guess if the right kind of occurred, it didn't happen, but then you could have like the real woodsman sneaking around and lurking in costume and no one would notice yeah. if it was really them. I like that. Well, okay. So back to the Audrey thing. I mean, we'll tie this up, but do we really have to go back to the Audrey thing? 
Yeah, you, yeah. I saw your like <laughs> decibel level, your enthusiasm, just kind of just it's waning. You're like, you know, it's over. Well, but we really haven't talked a lot in detail for a period of time. We, we've mentioned Audrey, but I thought this was a perfect time to really kind of go in. But you, you seem to be like set with okay, it's concentric circle. She's in some kind of hell, and that's it. There's nothing more to it. I think there's a lot more to discuss, but I don't want to, you know. You you're can not still con- continue on. I was just joking. I, I love Audrey's character. <laughs> Definitely well, talk about all she else. does show up for the first time in. I'm talking about Charlie too. I love Charlie. Charlie's a great character. Great. Yeah, I did. Did he say the line "existentialism 101" when she says like, "Who am yeah. I?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's hilarious. She's great. I thought. I mean, I, but I, I, so I'm saying it's just going nowhere. I would think. Well, what do you think about existentialism? Existentialism with you know, her character or with characters in Twin Peaks? Do you have any thoughts on that? No, I'm not here to provide a thesis for you, my friend. <laughs> you don't want to talk about. <laughs> I haven't taken a philosophy class or any. Yeah, spirit. I haven't taken that. I've not studied up and boned up on that, Tom. I think. Yeah, uh, but you're so. We talk about these things like privately. Okay, well, maybe existentialism 101 is like she's not dealing with the fact that she is actually already dead, Tom. I think she's in the lodge. So, but you may as well be dead when you're in the lodge. So, yeah, she's dead, but she lives. That's Laura. Yeah. That's what I'm well, saying. We maybe they about... all are dead, but they all live. <laughs> and they, well, all all favorite... the characters at the end are going to be in the lodge. They're all going to say it in unison. I am dead, but we live. And that's it. Boom. Season four ends. Well, one of our favorite movies is Crimes and Misdemeanors. And we talk about it all the time. It's a great Woody well, Allen movie. That's a big movie. transgression. transgression. It's a little, well, little no, it's this character. He's doing the Woody Allen character is doing a documentary on this old uh, Jewish. Uh, what was he like? Uh, I don't know if he was a rabbi a or whatever. Yeah. He's yeah. a thinker. He's a great. And he, they have these little snippets of his, of his philosophy. And he, he talks about these great philosophies of life and it, 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 it's really wonderful and uh, and then what happens is the character Woody Allen's despondent his documentary it, it ends because that character like kills himself and like he, he goes only the left he, but that was his note his suicide yeah. note was I'm going out the I've window I've gone out the window <laughs> so Good we've note. talked about that like you know not only as a scene a funny scene or the, the way it meant in that film that we really like but we've talked about this privately like you know how you know we view that particular line and that particular character where he was espousing all these like pearls of wisdom and life and death. So I thought I would try to you know get you to talk a little bit about it. So you're selling yourself short that since you haven't taken a philosophy class since college or whatever, but you know a great lot of a great many things about this subject. You just you're being coy. I respect that. We can move on. All right. Well, you know, I'll be giving my thoughts as best I can. I can I can try to bust out some more uh Four-letter words or, or four-syllable words. Four-letter words. And four-letter words. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... But I got nothing. Okay, so the Audrey character, her, she first shows up in part 12, and we thought that that there might be a split with this timeline at the end of part 7 where the Double R Diner, we see the diners, the patrons shift, and then we have the two songs playing, or this one song and then a song, uh, you know, underplaying or playing under it. So kind of connoting maybe a shift going on. There's something that I saw, another thing that I think I saw on Reddit or Facebook, wherever the hell it was, that someone put together... Um, the images of Lucy throughout season three. You go, Lucy, uh, what is that? What, what could that mean? Well, we, we love first, Lucy. We hung up with we Lucy. We love Lucy. Fantastic, yes. And we love Kimmy Robertson. We met her at yes. the festival. She's just spunky and full of life and great, great person. Uh, but uh, her char- like her character in the season three, when we see her, um, she's wearing this necklace and it's, it's got, it's like a timepiece and there's like an owl, um, it's, like, uh, it's, it's inscribed on her. It's like an owl, like image on the timepiece, which you know, okay, you know, owls are not what they seem, but there really wasn't anything like that in season three. And okay, so we see her again, same thing, one necklace. After part seven, when we see her, I think part nine, part ten, maybe part fifteen, three or four times, she's wearing two necklaces with two timepieces. 
So are they both owls. I think one of them is no. I think yeah. I think just one of them is. They're not What's both the other owls. one? Nothing. I think it's just. I think it's just like uh, it's just it's metallic and it's it's smooth. There's no image on there. But the way that Lynch is, and we've talked about the pin, the crazy pin, and uh, um, you know what we think that might mean, and Lynch being very meticulous with details. I don't think this was just an accident that Lucy was wearing. Kimmy Robertson decided to wear two necklaces, and that being timepieces basically is very obvious is that maybe that was a subtlety relating to the two timelines. When we see her with one necklace, we're in one timeline. And when we're seeing her with two necklaces, it's the shifting timeline, the official and the unofficial version. Now, a caveat to that, when we see her for the final time in part 17, it goes back to the one necklace. Oh. So, but that also could mean, so that's the whole thing is that, that is when the two timelines converge, when the ah. Mr. C storyline. So I think that... Or that, she's that, into swatches when she was in the 80s, and she just likes to wear multiple timepieces. <laughs> and she gave it a try, and people were like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I stopped doing that, but I gave it a few episodes. <laughs> so she was so, trying to be trendy for a yeah, few like yeah. weeks or whatever, Start and d- decided yeah. not. No. Never left her, yeah. But uh, no, I think that the, that's a subtlety. And, and there was something that someone posted, I think Diane, uh, the Diane podcast, I think... They put on a show this week, and someone uh, remarked to them on Twitter. They were an extra on the Twin Peaks set, and they were around uh, when they were shooting at the Double R. And um, they noted that Lynch was uh, just we were talking about with the timepieces and the pin, very meticulous. He knew exactly what he wanted. He pulled out patrons for one shot and got a whole new set of extras extras for the next shot. So. It seems as if that was deliberate. That, that shot of the diner with the patron switching from shot to shot is what we're dealing here with. Is like a, a two different timelines, and I'm I'm pretty certain that that is exactly what we're doing. But this new piece of information with the, that's another thing that you know, watched the show countless times, never picked it up. Some very observant person out there did wrote a great post about it, and here we are, we were able to discuss it. But I think it feeds in. It's another thing that feeds into the great mystery of this show and something that's so subtle that 99% of the, the viewers probably don't pick it up. But it's, it's out there, and it's important enough to Lynch to give us a clue. He's not going to go ahead and have someone tell us a line of dialogue that it's, you know, what year it is, but he's going to give us little clues about certain things, whether it's mythology or timelines. So that means the retcon stuck then. Because that's what we're talking about here is that the retcon that Cooper did in 17 is somehow changing the timeline within the series that we're watching even before he does that in 17. And we're implying that episode 7, when that happens, when the diner just flips, uh, that's when it begins. The yes. retcon reality. Yes. Yeah. And everyone's memories start to get getting fuzzy. Like after that moment, Laura Palmer's murder is never mentioned again. I think like Hawk mentions an old case. I think Truman. Mentions but is it the thing. paradox that they're still investigating like Cooper and the whole thing? And, and, you know, the whole thing's happening still. It hasn't happened yet. The retcon. How can that be? No, I, I think it's like what well, didn't that, that thing happen? Didn't something very similar happen in the final dossier? with Tammy yeah where she's looking over the old notes and start shaking everything starts disappearing before her eyes her memory gets fuzzy everyone's like who's Laura Palmer again I never heard of her so she she started to becoming affected by it and I think that's what's happening I think that we've seen any number of time travel movies where paradoxes back to the future and they each have their own kind of mythology I think Lynch and Frost just decided that it wasn't going to be very obvious it was going to be very subtle and it was going to happen over time but if you think about it, 
that the, the there probably were two moments in 1989 where Laura was killed and she was saved like simultaneously. And that's where the split happened. So maybe the shift didn't start to take place in season three, 25 years later in part seven. Maybe it, it started originally in 1989. Maybe some characters felt it more than others. And maybe it only accelerated by the events of season three with Mr. C and Cooper with all the, the Black Lodge shenanigans going on. So, so if you think about Sarah, the grand scheme of things, then really what they, he's showing us, if we take all this for fact, is that the retcon that we saw in 17, we were wondering would it take, would it not, would it work, would it not? It doesn't work. We see it, and it doesn't work because in the end, they're still trapped. It's all fucked up. They're in the lodge. The whisper, the scream, the lights go out. So the retcon did not take. I don't know. I don't think that's the case. I think it did take. But Why it didn't work. Say- well, the rec- basically his theory that somehow that was going to wake him up and wake up Laura and make this all great again. It didn't work. That well, no, did not that, work. No, that did not work. But right. that doesn't mean that there's... Well, the re- okay, yeah, you're timeline. right. The retcon t- took, but like the his entire reason for doing all this failed. Yes, and yeah. that's a great setup for a future storyline. It is. And it's also it something it, because of what we have here. Not who killed Laura Palmer, who is Laura Palmer. And if this is the character, if there's going to be a future show, future storylines, she's back. She's alive. Maybe... Maybe like Dougie, Cooper is Dougie. There's a slow... Dougie and Carrie. Carrie and Dougie. <laughs> On the run. With Laura waking up, maybe she remembers things from her previous life, but it didn't all come flooding over her. Maybe there is like going to be a slow evolution of her remembering. If there is, we're talking about a future storyline here where it's not like snap two. Maybe she recognizes, okay, this is my house. I heard my mother. There's some horrific moment that happened, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Laura Palmer is going to go, I'm Laura Palmer. I remember absolutely everything. Like where's Bobby? Where's James? You know, I mean, all, all this <laughs> stuff here. I don't know if that's going to, where's my Coke dealer? <laughs> Jacques Jean-Michel yeah. is at the uh, is at the road Jacques at the road yeah at the roadhouse but um that is also very interesting and how the characters would see that is something that is compelling to me is that they really swept up that murder her Laura Palmer under the rug I mean really we thought that that was going to be you know whether it was going to be kind of a ghost story that, that people told or something but it's almost like it didn't even happen and right see Oh, yeah. well, okay, but I just answered it without yeah. even really trying to. But I, I would love to have seen that kind of season one kind of moments of emotional outpouring related to her death, where the Bobby with Jacoby. Years, Come on, you guys still yeah, but, Bobby did. We saw Bobby freak out when he saw the, her picture. Yeah, that's true. Like, that's who's true. that? But, I know her. Can you imagine if we, if we saw her and... I mean, what the the emotional impact of Bobby Senior again, James Senior again, Sarah? Oh. If Leland is still alive, well, I mean, it wouldn't would just be like, oh wow, moments? she's back. They'd be freaking out, like, what the hell's going on? Unless you're seeing another yes. timeline, and the, but then they wouldn't know that she ever left. It would be like she wasn't murdered. It would be like she was disappeared. But why are you back again? It would be a different emotional reaction, and that is fascinating to me. I it think would be cool. So yeah, much more to you're mind. back. Yeah, I'm back. That's it. That's all I have to say. I'm back. Yeah, no one, <laughs> no one, you know, in Twin Peaks, but they're so you know they're they're very rural. They probably would just accept it. He's back. I don't know what happened, but he's back. Well, don't you, wouldn't you want something, it, like a future like storyline, at least a part of it, 
Like there's a part of me, I mean, I love all the abstract weird shit. I've already confessed that part 18 is the world I want to live in. Oh God. I, I love it. It's I know you horrific. You, you like the beginning, you love world. the end. I love it. But at the same time, that season one is so super tight. It is just about perfect story-wise, character-wise, mood, music. Everything is just in sync perfectly. And it's because it's only seven or eight hours and it's this little mini pocket uh, mystery that is just about perfect. I could have done would, a little bit less Truman. A little less. <laughs> Put it down! <laughs> that scene in particular. Actually, we got to keep, we got to, you got to hold on to that scene. I, of course you do. Yeah. But that was season two. Yeah. But uh, no, I know he wasn't the strongest. But I I'm just kidding. Some, yeah. My, I still love me some Michael Anki. I still love true. I love the the chemistry between him and Cooper. And I, I think he was missed in season four or season three. Even though I loved Robert For- uh, Forster, I, I, I'd like the character. I, I wish that we would have got Harry Truman. I wish we got Anki back. But I would love to see a, you know, like it doesn't have to be like, you know, 18 episodes or even eight, but something that stayed in Twin Peaks with whether it's the original characters or new characters, but some through line, some strong core plot mystery, something related to what we saw at the end of part 18 with Laura being back and Cooper and then this, this different timeline and staying there for a little bit and planting the seeds and maybe dealing with some of the shit we saw in season three, the deer meadow twin peaks with the sparkle and all the penguins and the zebras and, you know, people you know being lost and fucked up in the woods and the roadhouse and all that chaos and craziness. And then moving on from there with whether Blue Rose, Cooper, Cole, Judy, more woodsmen, all that stuff. But having that particular the location, the Twin Peaks, what we know, focusing on that just a little bit, I think would go a long way. Wouldn't the lynching irony be if like if, if like basically like Laura says I'm taking the reins from Coop, like you're I'm, I'm we're replacing the quarterback at halftime, and I'm gonna now take over trying to like, you know fix this and get us all safe and get us out of this lodge in the end she goes back to twin peaks the retcon she's somebody different she's going to change but she doesn't she goes she slides back backslides back into her old ways and zip it oh, the, yeah starts dude. doing coke drug killing people and it all fails dude. again that would be that would be incredible that would be a tragic you talked about me bringing up like having her die again like why but i i, I kind of like that and here's another thing what if she's not the only version of laura palmer that we we see maybe there's another one out there just like Cooper. You yeah. never know. Maybe yeah. there is. Yeah, there, a, good, a good, like, Dougie version. Well, a Dougie, well there's Dougie one in the lodge. I mean, so there's uh, anything See, is possible. Nun. Yeah. There's, anything is possible. Yeah. Well, any uh, final thoughts for this? One final thing, yeah. One final thing. This is something, it wasn't worthy enough of a big discussion, but it's something I wanted to bring up. Another thing that I discovered, since Firewalk with me was so important to season three, the, the big things that were new to Firewalk with me were the ring, um, the uh, the Blue Rose, um, Jeffries, and... Keeper Sutherland. The convenience store. And Keeper Sutherland. And Keeper Sutherland. And Keeper Sutherland. But all four of those things that I mentioned play a big part in season three, but primarily they're a big part of 17 and 18, like the finale, basically, which I think was just part of Lynch really trying to establish you know, or reestablish his love for Firewalk with me and maybe trying to put it out there for people to kind of rediscover it and fall in love with it. Cause I think he's always been in love with it. But one thing I thought was interesting was the Cooper that we saw with, uh, Harry Dean, Carl Rod, the fat trot, when he sees the let's rock on the car. Yeah. And, uh, there's that, uh, weird sound design and then it cuts to Cooper yeah. by the wind river. And the first thing he says is Diane. Now, if you cut to 
season three, we really haven't had very many fire walk with me moments in season three, other than except the Blue Diane Sports. said in episode twelve. Yes, exactly. She says, "Let's, Let's rock, rock" with that same sound cue. So I think I that, love that was yeah. I think that was like. Hey, so did baby. Diane do the Let's Rock? Was she the one that did the old... Uh, well, that was going to be my question to you. Do you think lipstick? somehow hmm? it was lipstick? Hmm? It was her? Hmm? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, don't, I didn't think it was topic worthy, but you seem to be enthusiastic about it. Maybe for another time. But yeah. That, I thought that was interesting. Either her or Lil. Like, someone. Someone, yeah. Nato. Someone. Hey, at the end, at the very end of episode 18, who's got the lodge ring? Oh, um... Who has the lo- wait? When was the last time we saw it? Oh, they take right. it off so- of him, right? When Cooper, di- when Mr. Yes. C dies, and who takes it? Cooper takes it off of him, right? Does he? Cooper Does takes he? it off of him, right? And yeah. then, wait, no, Cooper puts it on him. Mr. C is burning up in the lodge in part eighteen, and then uh, we see the ring fall to the ground, don't we? And doesn't Gerard pick it up and put it on that table that with the clamshell, the gold clamshell? Are we sure it was like an orange hand, a really chubby? Orange stubby fingered hand. <laughs> picked it up. No, I don't think so. But we'll take you is... to Washington. <laughs> we'll save this for a future podcast. <laughs> but that table that I described, we see it in the lodge, and only in certain rooms. It's not in the waiting room. It's this table with a black top, and it's got this gold, and it looks kind of like a clam shell or something. I don't know how to perfectly describe it, but it's where the ring is placed. It was placed on this particular uh, piece of furniture in in the, the Black Lodge in Fire Walk With Me, and it's where Gerard placed it, but I didn't notice until I was watching the final episode of the original series when Bob takes uh, Wyndham Earl's soul, remember that great shot of the flames coming out of his head, and then he takes, it's like he's taking his soul, and he throws it. It's like he Bobby's throwing it in the background you can barely see it. It's that same fucking table, dude. And it's like, that's where I think he's, he's throwing his soul or whatever. That table has some kind of specific purpose. And the ring is placed on there. I think Wyndham's soul went in there. There's something very interesting with that particular table, which I thought was kind of uh, interesting itself. But uh, You zoom into the marble, do you see all the faces like Josie in the wood all stuck in there? <laughs> no, but that's all I got. That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks to everybody. See you next time. Trying to waste his time With his methylated sandwich He's a walking clothesline And here comes the bishop's daughter On the other side And she looks a trifle jealous She's been an outcast Yeah.